So God, as we come around your word this morning, we thank you for who you are, your love, your grace, and your truth. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you can take your seats. Thank you, worship team. You are incredible. Good job, Emily. (laughs) She does well. So who is excited for 2019? Are we excited for this year? Who's made New Year's resolutions? Has anyone made the New Year? No, okay. Oh, I have one. I have one. Do I have another? No, just one. Okay, that's fine. Uh, Well, because it's interesting because I found out that... um, we actually only complete and actually follow through 8% of our New Year's resolutions. <laughs> so I don't know about that. So that's a bit exciting. But it's actually a great time at the start of the year to sit back and actually reflect and to look at yourself and, and what this year is going to look like for you. What do you want to look like this year? How do you want to live your life in 2019? What do you need to let go of? What do you need to start doing and what you need to stop doing. And this morning, I want to actually talk about something that I've had a very personal revelation on. I'm not going to be talking about goal setting. I'm not going to be talking about, you know, let's do this, 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 and you'll achieve everything you want. Da, 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 da. I want to go straight to the heart because that's where it is. That's where it all comes from. And so I want to talk today about grace because grace is the foundation of Christianity, basically. It's the essence of salvation. Without the grace of God none of us could actually be saved. And what is grace? Grace is basically God giving us what we don't deserve. And grace is actually the lifeblood of the church. Grace is what we're called to be. Grace is like the church's currency. And I came up with this thing. A church without grace is like KFC without chicken. But it's true, right? Have you ever... Okay, I've done this one time. I went to KFC and I was all pumped, ready to go. I've got a main meal that I get. It's like popcorn, chicken, chicken tenders and the original thing. And it's all in a, it's an all-sauce box. And we went to KFC and they were like, we've run out of chicken. I was like, what do you mean you've run out of chicken? That's all you have. <laughs> what? I don't understand. They're like, well, you can have potato and gravy. I'm like, oh, well, that's fine. But I usually dip the chicken in the potato and gravy. So what am I going to do? They'd run out of chicken. It was not good. A church without grace is ineffective. It's, 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 it's like going there and not being able to order anything. Grace is our chicken. We need to be extending grace. And when I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about you and I. We are the ones that carry grace. We are the ones that are Christ to this world. And so we need to be exhibiting that grace to the world around us. But grace isn't something that humanity is conditioned really to comprehend, right? We're brought up in this world where nothing actually comes for free. You know, it's, you have to work for what you want. It's dog eat dog. There's no such thing as a free lunch. God helps those who help themselves. If it's going to be, it's up to me. That's the mentality that we have, right? And if you asked 100 people along the main street of Harndorf, how do you get into heaven? The most common answer would probably be, you be a good person. You kind of, you do the right thing. You know, I give to the Salvation Army every now and again. That should be enough. I'll get in. But that's not it. Have a look at Romans chapter 3, 24. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of his sins. Free gift. You can't earn for it. You can't can't work for it. You can't buy it. And this is why Christianity is so different to every other religion because it's the only religion where God freely just gives it away to humanity. Every other religion, you have to work for it. You have to do this, 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 this. But 
God's like, no, 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 no. It's a free gift. You don't get to heaven based on what you do. You get there based on what has already been done by Jesus Christ. But but we're so independent and self-sufficient that sometimes we actually forget to rely on God. Sometimes we forget to trust in Him 100%. And we think we can do it on our own strength sometimes. But the truth is you can't understand and live the full Christian life if you don't understand grace. And I'm going to get my teacher on a little bit here, so I hope you don't mind. I I love slides, and Lockie, just bear with me, man. It's going to be fun. We're on a ride here. But the title of my message is, and look, so we're saved by grace. We understand that up here, mostly. But do I understand it in here? Have I got that revelation in my heart yet? So it's all good to know it all, but do I live out of that? Do I live out of the revelation of grace? And so many, so many of us can live the Christian life and do the Christian things, but there's still something missing. We're still not, we're not kicking goals. We're not living by the grace. And I'm guilty of this as well. You know, none of us always get it all right. And sometimes we feel like we owe God something. Like we, we, what he's done for us isn't enough. And so there's this weird unwritten rule that's like, I still have to earn my place in heaven. I still have to do this, and that's when I'll be okay. And so what I've realized, and my big revelation is that we live kind of out of two different things, guilt or grace. You are either living and making your decisions out of guilt, or you're doing it out of grace. And they're both very different. You can still be a Christian and live by guilt. Trust me, I've done it. (laughs) And so we, we can all do it. And so what I want to do this morning is cover three quick things. What grace is, what it looks like to live by guilt, and why we do that, and then what grace gives us and how to live by grace. How does that sound? Is that all right? <laughs> and then I want to challenge you. How are you living? Why do you do the things that you do? Is it out of guilt? Or is it out of grace? And maybe you're here this morning and you haven't actually even experienced the grace of God before. Well, at the end of this service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to meet Jesus and make him the Lord of your life and experience what that wild, reckless grace looks like. So let's quickly cover what grace is. Now, Pastor Bruce, you love an acrostic. So I have come up with an acrostic just for you. (laughs) This is grace. So number one, grace is a gift. Remember Romans 3.24. This is the good news translation that I'm reading. But by the free gift of God's grace, all are put right with him through Christ Jesus. It's a gift. It's for you. It's God's present to you. Are you going to unwrap it? Are you going to unwrap that gift? Or are you like, oh, no, 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 I need to do something before I can open the gift? No, you can just open it as you are. Um, Max Licardo said this. Someone asked him, how did you become a Christian? And he said this. When somebody first explained grace to me, I realized I was never going to get a better deal. (laughs) (laughs) It's true though, right? Like, the grace of God is the most ultimate gift you could ever receive. It changes you completely from the inside out. But you have to let it. Hmm. Number two, and how do I get this grace? Grace is received by faith. 
Ephesians 2 verses 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. All I need to do to access the grace of God is have faith in Him. What does that mean? I believe that He is who He says He is. I believe that He is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the King of Kings. What does it say in Romans 10? If I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth, I will be saved. I need to believe that He is Jesus. Not only is He the Son of God, but He died for me and then He rose for me. That's it. That's the faith right there. I have to believe that though. Number three, grace is available for anyone. Absolutely anyone. Titus chapter, oh no, we're reading from Titus this morning, people. (laughs) Chapter two, verses 11 says, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. All. That includes who? Everyone. Like, there's no, like, all, it's like, well, all, but, oh, okay, only the ones who read the Bible every day. All, everyone. 2 Corinthians 5.15, and he died for all, all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. There is no qualification. The grace of God is available for anyone at any time who has faith in him. (sighs) Number four, grace is Christ. John chapter 1 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then in verse 16, For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace is Christ. And then number five, grace is everlasting. It's eternal. Romans 6 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace never runs out. God has this unlimited supply of grace. You can think, oh, well, I, I, I mean, I was a Christian, but I did all this, and now I'm like, oh, I don't think he wants me back. Do I go back or not? I don't know. His grace is never-ending. It's never ending. It's like a river. There's that song, grace like a wave that just washes over you afresh. His mercies are new every day. He never runs out of grace for us. So I know all of this. This is incredible, right? Why do I still live by guilt? Why do I still go back to that place? And the truth is, we are actually all born guilty, (laughs) None of us are actually born in grace. We're born sinners. And grace is something we need to discover. But it's actually our original design state to live by grace. But it's been tainted by sin. Um, James 2 says, For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. And so, I mean, who, okay, who's told a lie? Oh, well, some of you aren't going to admit it, but all right, I'm sure you have. (laughs) But straight away, that one thing puts me in the same box as everyone else. Sinners. Hitler, no difference. Just takes one sin, and we're all in the same box, separated from God. But by his grace, we can come back. And... In Psalm 38 verse 4, it says, My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. 
who can, who's felt like that before? Just the guilt and the weight of what we've done. Um, I remember when we were children, we went to someone's um, house, Shaney Boy and I, and <laughs> that's my brother, Shaney Boy is my brother, by the way, and you know him, he's a drummer, uh, for Diego, and we, <laughs> oh, he's the bass player, oh, I know my family well, so <laughs> anyway, we went to this house, and the Dada kids were there as well, it was like this party, and um, one of the other kids there had a toy, this doll, and we broke it. We broke it. We, it. The whole thing just fell apart and we did not know what to do. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, but we did not know. We were like, <laughs> so we were like, quick, put it away, put it away. Just hide, hide. <laughs> what do we do? And we did. We just, we just kind of put it away and hid it away. But I felt this guilt about it because I heard the kid go up to, the, um, up to where her toy was and it was like, it was smashed. And she was like, what happened to my dog? <laughs> and we were in the corner like, mm, I don't know, I don't know. It must have been a ghost came in. I don't know. It wasn't us. We're not the only ones in the room. Like, it was bad. But, <laughs> but we all, we've all done stuff like that, right? <laughs> and, but here's the thing. We talk about guilt like it's a bad thing, but guilt's actually a warning light. It's actually like your conscience, like, wait, something's afoot. Something's not right. It's like on the, you know, on the dashboard, how you have the petrol light, and it comes on, you're like, oh, I should probably get some petrol. That's kind of like what guilt is. You know, I was in uni, and I was with a friend, and he was driving his car. He, oh, he is the most reckless human being I've ever met in my life. Um, and his, his petrol light was on, and I was like, oh, Maddie, should we, should, we, should we go get petrol? Your light's on. And he's like, no, it'll be fine. And we're like, okay, all right, here we go. <laughs> And we got to the middle of this intersection, and he was turning right, and so, you know, you pull out right in the middle. Oh, car stopped. <laughs> in the middle of the intersection, I think it was like crossroad or something. And I'm like, what, Matthew, you should have got petrol. And we're like, oh, what are we doing? And so he gets out, we're like trying to push the car across the intersection. Oh, I tell you what, friends, it was a nightmare. But sometimes when we ignore guilt, we can end up like that car in the intersection. Guilt's meant to be like, hey, it kind of pulls us up, but if we ignore it, we break down. And how do we respond to guilt? Well, let's have a look at the first time we see an experience of guilt. It's exactly the same as Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 3. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called out to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. But what do we see here? What are the four responses to guilt? This is basically what we all do. Shame, fear, hiding from God, and blaming others. That's what we naturally go to. And I'm sure you've all done this as well, because I've done every single one of those things. I felt the shame, so I've had the fear. I've hid from God, and I'm like, nah. They, oh, it was because of them. That's why I did that. Oh, it's because of this person. Oh, they're so annoying. Oh, no. that's why. But it's not true. It's the guilt that I feel. 
We run. We escape. We hide like Jonah. When God called him to Nineveh, he hid. Shame. But that's the exact reaction that God does not want from us. Instead of hiding from him, he wants us to run to him. But we don't. And so why? What does it look like to live out of guilt? Now, I'm going to get very real here with you and share some of my own personal stuff about this because this has been one of my hardest areas, I think, to overcome. Living by guilt and stepping into living by grace. So let's have a look and let's see if any of this resonates with you or if it's just me doing my own thing and struggling in life. But anyway, number one, if I'm living out of guilt, I have a pressure for perfection. If I'm living out of guilt, that one outlet is that just that desire. I feel the guilt and so it drives me to try and be perfect, to tick every single box, to be the best. Which is a catch-22 because you, you can't just make up for one sin by doing a lot of other good things. doesn't work that way. Um, I was like this in high school, if I'm real. I wanted the perfect grades. I wanted the perfect score. I wanted to be the best of the best. Oh, I wanted to get that 99.99 TER. I didn't. Um, <laughs> and you can be like, oh gosh, well you're such a nerd, Nathan, that's why. But here's the truth of it. Just before um, high school, uh, our father left our family. And I kind of blamed myself for that. And I thought that he didn't want me. And so what I did was I tried to be the best of the best so that he would notice me. And I thought, maybe if I'm, if I'm perfect, he'll come home. That's what I thought. Wrong logic completely, but that's what I thought. And how often can we do that with God? We know we're guilty, but I think I'm only allowed to come to him perfect. And maybe if I fix myself up, If I get myself all together, then he'll be like, that's my boy. I think I have to have it all there. So I strive and we strive and we strive to be the perfect mum, the perfect dad, the perfect employee, the perfect wife, the perfect businessman. But grace does not require us to be perfect. Grace allows us to come to the throne of heaven as we are, broken, hurting, in pain. And it's as we come to him in that state that he brings the restoration, that he brings the hope, and he brings the new life that we need. Number two, a routine of religiosity. I never know how to say this word. Religiosity. Religiosity? Religiosity. Oh, you're religious. (laughs) But this is when we do the Christian thing because I think I should. When I'm living out of routine and not relationship. Oh, my friends, I've been here before. Oh, my goodness. Who's pumping their Bible streak? Oh, 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 oh. But like, <laughs> it's, it's when you get in the routine. Oh, if, if, as long as I do that, as long as I tick that box, that's good. I'm good. My Christian walk is fine. But I don't have relationship. I did this. I was ticking all the boxes. I was going to church on Sunday. I was reading my Bible every day. Was I absorbing it? No. I just wanted to keep my streak up. And then I realized, I haven't heard from God in months. Why, why? Why am I not hearing from God? Why is he not speaking to me? I'd forsaken our relationship for the routine of Christianity. And it's so easy to do. It's so easy to get caught up. It's because I wasn't drawing near to him as my father. I was just ticking boxes, thinking that that would be enough. But it's not. It's not. Don't ever go, just don't get caught up in the motions of it. 
draw near to him, spend time with him, make time for Jesus. And when you hang with him and when you remain in him, that's the relationship and that's when you hear from him. You hear his voice. The routine of religiosity. Religiosity, I don't know. Number three. Oh, number three. Constant comparison. This is a kicker. I struggle with this one. My word. Comparison with your friends, people that you went to high school with. They're building careers. They're making 200 grand a year. They're getting married. They're on Instagram and they're famous. They've got like 30,000 followers. You can compare yourself in so many different ways to so many different people. Comparison with your parents. Sometimes you can compare yourself with your parents and where they were at your age and be like, what have I done? Comparison with yourself and where you think you should be by now, but you're actually not there yet. Huh, I had the plan that I would be married already, but it hasn't happened, and I'm comparing with myself. I had the plan that I would have already bought a house by now, but I haven't, and so I'm comparing with myself. For me... Last year, I started going to the gym. I know, right? Has he? <laughs> but I'm trying, guys. I'm working hard at it. But basically, it was actually very hard for me to start because I would go into the gym. I'd be like, oh, I've got this. Oh, yeah, 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 boy. Here we go. Lift those weights. And I would look around and see everyone already, like, massively built, strong as oxes, stronger than oxes, I don't know, And I would freak out and it would intimidate me because I began comparing myself with everyone else in the gym and how they all looked amazing. And I was like, well, I'm I'm, I'm a reed. If it was a gusty wind, I would just blow away. Like, that's what I started to think. But how often do we do that? We get caught up in what everyone else is doing around us and we get intimidated. And so sometimes, oh, now I'm sharing myself. Sometimes at the gym, I would... Like, I don't know, like have kind of like a panic attack and be like, I don't know, I don't belong. And so I would leave. I just left the gym and I would go home and cry and be like, I'm never going to make it. What's the point? Because I was comparing myself with other people around me. Don't ever do that. And the truth is, as soon as I begin to base myself on my performance compared to the people around me, I will always be disappointed because there will always be someone else who is doing it better or so it looks. The truth is you are you and there is no one else qualified to be you. You are a son or a daughter of God. Stop comparing yourself to the people around you. They're going through their own stuff. Just focus on you and God. Have a look at this. Galatians chapter six. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. God has given you a unique assignment just for you and for no one else. And if you start looking at someone else's life and being like, well, I'm not like Super Susan. She's got three kids in a house and she's also working a job and she reads the Bible every day and she's a leader in the church and I don't have that. If I, as soon as I start doing that, I'm out. I'm like, well, here I am just at home watching Netflix. Oh. <laughs> don't. Susan's probably going through her own stuff, right? We only see people's highlights. 
And you're comparing yourself with this incredible picture that isn't the whole truth. Just focus on you and God. That's all you need to worry about. Who cares if that other person's a bodybuilder? You'll get there. But believe in yourself. (laughs) Uh, I love chocolate, so I'm going to make this an example too. Say I've got a Mars bar and a Snickers bar. They're quite similar, but the Snickers has got nuts. And say the Mars bar looks at the Snickers bar and goes, wow, that's got nuts. I don't have nuts. And so it tries to get nuts. Then I've got two Snickers bars. But I want a Mars bar and a Snickers bar. But the Snickers bar's got, so now I've got two nuts bars. How often do we do that though? You're a Mars bar, but you look at the bar around you and you go, well, that bar, I want to be the Snickers bar because that's better. But the truth is, you were designed to be a Mars bar. (laughs) So that's all you need to be. (laughs) Be the Mars bar. (laughs) Not everyone can eat nuts. Anyway, (laughs) number four, unceasing unworthiness, (sighs) never feeling good enough. This is a cracker. Because of the guilt and the shame, you just always feel tainted. It's not a comparison thing. It's It's not you comparing with other people. It's actually separate. It's you just thinking, I'm not good enough. God will never accept me because of what I've done where I've been, who I've hurt, who's hurt me. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to think that God shouldn't save me. You know, I went through a stage where I could barely even look at God because I just felt tainted. And here's the sad truth. In reality, none of us are good enough without Christ. But have a look at this, my friends. Oh, in Romans chapter 5, our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Let go of not feeling good enough because you, if you are a Christian, if you are a son or a daughter of the living God, you have Jesus living inside of you and his righteousness has been transferred to you. You actually like Christ. Live out of that. How often do we not do that though? Number five, existing by emotions. When you are driven by emotions and not the truth. And when you live by guilt, you're more prone to live by your emotions. And this is dangerous because emotions are based on circumstances. And often the circumstances aren't that great. And when you're not living out of a place of grace, you're not living out of a place of faith. And the alternative to that is fear. And when I live out of guilt, I begin to make my decisions out of fear and not faith. Fear of losing that relationship. Fear of losing my child. Fear of being alone. Fear of not being accepted. Fear of not performing properly. Fear of being unloved. And then I start making decisions based out of that fear. I'm out of step with the Holy Spirit. I'm reacting to the world around me, not the truth that is inside of me. But we're called to be greater than that, right? Yes, I'm experiencing great hardship. 
Yes, I'm really struggling financially, but you know what? The Bible says that God is my provider and so I shall walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, I might not be married yet. Yes, I might not have that dream job that I was looking for. Yes, I might not be feeling like I'm doing the right career path or I'm feeling lost and confused, but you know what? I will stay focused and fix my eyes on Jesus who is the author and perfecter of my faith. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is the truth. Live out of that truth, not the circumstance. Oh, and then number six, you overthink everything. Now, I've added this because it's very prevalent today. We are a generation of information and we get so much put into us that our minds are constantly in overdrive. I've got my Facebook feed, I've got my Instagram, I've got my news app, I've got my Snapchat, I've got my YouTube. Ooh, was I rapping? <laughs> Hello! <laughs> I've discovered a new gift, Lord. No, I haven't. But we have got more access to any content from around the world in seconds. That quickly. And it's made our minds quicker. But that's not always a good thing. Because if I'm living in a place of guilt, it's highly likely that I'm going to overthink a lot of things. Example, friendships. Why didn't they reply to my text? Oh, shivers. Do they not like me? What did I do? Did I say something? Did I do something? They don't like me. What did I do wrong? Maybe they hate me now. Oh, no, I don't have any friends. I'm such a loser. I'm always alone. It's just not good. And I'm over here in the rabbit hole. All because someone didn't reply to a text. And our minds can overtake and start creating scenarios and things that are happening that actually aren't even happening, that actually aren't even real. You know, in reality, they didn't reply to my text because their phone had died and they were in a movie. You know, there's all sorts of reasons. But we can go into overdrive and be like, no, they hate me, I'm a loser, I'm all alone. And so it's, in so, it's so important that we do what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Stress. Anxiety, depression, these are all real things that are affecting us in huge ways today. And if we're not taking an active part in our thought life, it's so easy to get caught in that place, into that rabbit hole, and go down and down and down, and then you're in this place where everything is horrible and no one likes you and you're alone. And you're... But it's not true. And isn't it interesting that the thing that takes you down that rabbit hole are all lies, all lies from the devil. You know, his job is to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's the father of lies. And the best way that he has to grab at your heart and your spirit is the power of his lies. Be like, no, yeah, yeah, they hate you. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you, 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 are, you are not good enough. Lies, all lies. So what do I do? How do I get out of living by guilt? It's pretty simple. Come to Jesus as you are, with all of your sin, with all of your baggage, with all of your past, and receive by faith the grace of God, which brings freedom, wholeness, and peace. Psalm 32 verses 5 says, Then I let it all out. I said, I'll make a clean breast of my failures to God. Suddenly the pressure was gone. My guilt dissolved my sin disappeared. And I want to have a look now at one of the most beautiful examples of grace 
in the Bible. This comes from John chapter 8. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Now they were trying to trap him into something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said two sentences. Neither do I. Now go and sin no more. Two sentences that give such freedom, but also responsibility. Neither do I condemn you. Romans 8, chapter 1. Now there is no condemnation. No condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Grace says you are no longer condemned. All all of God's anger, all of the punishment that I deserve, it's already been taken by Jesus on the cross. And that's how grace is because the price has already been paid. Grace is only free for us because Jesus paid that price. I love it. And then how often do we miss part two though? Now go and sin no more. The true revelation of grace is it actually gives us freedom from sin. Oh, that's exciting. I now become dead to sin. Before guilt, we're actually described in the Bible as slaves to sin. We're bound in it. And we can't help but live in guilt because sin is our slave master. We're compelled to do the wrong thing. We're compelled to obey the desires of our flesh. But have a look at this in Romans 6. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So we're in two states. We exist in two states. We are either dead in sin, living by guilt, Or, when I meet Jesus Christ, I now become dead to sin. And if you're a son or a daughter of heaven, you are dead to sin. What does this mean? Oh, well, let's have a look. In Romans 6, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. There's a story of a father who was with his son and they were driving along and they saw a snake, a dead snake on the side of the road. And so the father goes to pick the the snake up because, you know, that's what you do, apparently. (laughs) See a snake, what do I do? Go for it. Anyway, he went down to touch the snake and all of a sudden it coiled around his arm and the son began to freak out. Daddy, daddy. And the father goes, no, 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 it's all good. He shook his arm and the snake fell off, dead. And he explained to the son that even though the snake was dead, if you touched it, there were like nerves and twitches that can still happen inside the body of the snake. And so that's why it coiled itself up around him. But he's like, it's dead. All I have to do is shake it off. And how often is that like us? With sin. We no longer are controlled by sin. Sin is no longer our slave master. But every now and again, you might feel 
the reflexes of it, coiling itself around you again. But you know what? It's dead. You are dead to sin. So you can just shake that off. You've got the power to shake that off. It's like, no, I know who I am in Christ. I am free from this. I am free from the power of sin. So I can just shake it off. But sometimes we don't do that. And it continues to coil itself around us. And we're like, what's happening? We need to shake it off. Oh, that was dramatic. Romans. <laughs> and basically, it's not as if I'm now free to just do whatever I want. You know, Paul says, you know, you don't sin anymore. You now have the grace of God. And you are either going to be a slave to sin or a servant of God. You cannot be neither and you cannot have both. You're one or the other. And I found a quote by Manly Pippet who said, Whatever controls us is our Lord. The person who seeks power is controlled by power. The person who seeks acceptance is controlled by acceptance. We do not control ourselves. We are controlled by the Lord of our lives. So my question for you today is what rules your life? Guilt, sin, or the grace of God? And so I want to finish very quickly by quickly looking at what grace does for us. How does grace actually help us? And this is, oh, I've done this visually because it's just so good. Number one, it saves us. Grace actually saves us. Ephesians 2 says, But God still loved us with such great love. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, He united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by His wonderful grace. I'm not going to, no, I'll keep skipping. Number two, it wipes the slate clean. Psalm 103 says, He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Whatever that thing is that you haven't been able to let go of, you can because God's forgotten it. It says, He's removed my sin as far as the east is from the west. That thing I did, that thing that 20 years ago that's still haunting me, I can let it go. That friendship that I kind of ruined, I can let that go. That thing that I didn't do so well, I can let that go. Whenever I disappointed God, I can let that go. Don't live by guilt. Make steps to redeem and resolve. Yes, but don't let it get to you. He wipes the slate clean. Number three, he brings freedom from sin. You are now dead to sin. You have authority over sin now. So previously, sin is up here, and all I can do is obey it. But as soon as I get the grace of God, it becomes here, and I can step on it. Step on your sin. Number four, grace gives us new life. That's big. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. That's the Passion Translation, FYI. Fresh and new. I now have new life. Grace gives me new life. So where I was feeling old, where I was feeling like it's too much, where I was feeling like it's all over, grace comes through and it says, no more. Now you have new life in Jesus Christ. You are a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. And then it brings us hope. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ and our Father God, who loved us and in His wonderful grace gave us eternal comfort and a beautiful hope that cannot fail. You know, I... I have this weird obsession with World War II and I was reading about the, the death camps that they had in Auschwitz and one of the survivors wrote a memoir and he said that the people, the survivors that I was with that died were the ones that lost their hope. 
as soon as he saw someone's hope disappear from someone's eyes, they died the next day. Hope sustains us. It's the hope of who God is. It's the hope of what he's going to do for us that keeps us walking, that helps us to keep plodding along. Even when my circumstances say it's not going to be good, it's all over. My hope pushes me forward and pushes me through. Don't lose your hope. Grace gives you the hope that you need. And number six, it guarantees victory. You see, every child of God overcomes the world for our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. When we have grace, we have victory. It says it. I've read Revelation. We win. The victory is guaranteed. But how do I do it? How do I live by grace? It's very simple. Jesus says in John chapter 15, Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The closer I get to Jesus, the more I remain in him, the farther away I am from the guilt and the shame and the sin. It's just how it is. You know, if, ooh, 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 that's heavy. Build your relationship with him. Draw near to him. If you don't spend time with God, you actually won't enjoy being a Christian. It's actually going to be hard for you. It's going to be a slog because you're not connected to the vine. You haven't remained in him. Remain in him. Make time for Jesus. You know, the moments where I have felt the furthest away from God are the moments when I haven't been in his presence, when I haven't made time for him, just to be his child. And then I feel the guilt and I feel the shame and then it leads me to sin and then it leads me to this because I'm not connected to the vine. So I want to encourage you this morning, as we finish, don't hide from him anymore. Don't continue to live by guilt. You have the chance to live by grace, to live a life free from your past and everything that's hurting and wounding and painful. You know, just as the musicians come, I want to encourage you this morning. Choose to live by grace. It's His grace that will sustain you. I don't know what your plan is for 2019. I don't know how it's looking for you. I don't know how your 2018 was. Maybe it was an incredible year. Maybe it was a horrible year. Maybe you're looking at 2019 and thinking, oh, I can't do it. I can't do this again. I can't go around that Ferris wheel again. It's too, hurt. It's too hard. It's too painful. I'm hurting. Or maybe you're looking at 2019 with anticipation. You're excited. Either way, I want to encourage you, make the choice to live by grace. Make the choice to be free from that pressure for perfection, that constant comparison. Maybe there was one of those areas that I spoke about that really resonated with you. You're like, you know what? I do. I do compare myself to the people around me. I do look at people and think, how come I don't have that? How come I'm not doing that? Or I'm not good enough. You feel tainted. Maybe that's why I'm not getting what I feel like God wants me to have because I'm still tainted by sin. I'm still tainted by my past. Make a choice today. Make a choice today. Enough is enough. 
I'm drawing a line in the sand. 2019 is going to be the year where I let go of that, where I let go of that comparison, where I let go of that pressure, all those things that I'm placing upon myself that are not the truth. I release it. I release it. Why don't we all just close our eyes here in this place this morning? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you've never experienced the grace of God. You don't know what that looks like. You've never had a relationship with your Father. I'm going to give you an opportunity right here, right now to meet Jesus Christ, to let go of all of that guilt. Maybe you were here, maybe you're sitting here this morning and you've done that before. You've experienced the grace of God, but 2018 just knocked your world. And you realise, you know what? I don't have that relationship anymore. I don't know Him as my Father. I haven't drawn near to Him at all last year. Where is your relationship at with God? Do you have a connection with your Father? Is He speaking to you? Or has it been broken? I want to give you an opportunity right here and right now to get that relationship back with your Father, to come home. Or maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, if I, if I died today, am I 100% sure that I'm going to go to heaven? Do I know it in the deep of my heart that if I did die, I would see my Father, I would go to heaven? If you're not 100% sure, I want to give you that chance now as well. So what we're going to do, with every eye closed, this is a personal moment between you and God. If you want to experience Jesus Christ for the first time, if you want to come back to Him, if you want to start this year right in a relationship with your Father, or you want to just be sure that you're going to heaven, I want you to be bold and courageous. We're not going to do anything crazy. We're just going to get you to lift your hand and say a short prayer together. So if that's you here this morning, be bold and just lift your hand now. Lift your hand up in the air and say, this is it. I'm coming back to my Father. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Just be bold. This is it. This is your moment. Thank you up the back. Incredible. Why don't we all stand to our feet in this moment? We've had, I think there's about seven or eight people that have lifted their hands and made this declaration. So what I want you to do is gather with me now and let's say a prayer together. If you lifted your hand, this is it. Say this with boldness and courage. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I fall short, but I believe in You. Thank You for sending Your Son to save my sins. I give myself to You. I give 2019 to You. Thank You for saving me and giving me Your grace. I receive You now. I'm saved. I'm forgiven and I'm all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you lift your hands and thank Him?